0: Are listening to the State of Sustainability, a podcast that highlights sustainability initiatives throughout the state and develops a casual conversation about environmental stewardship that the average person can understand and replicate? I'm your host, Caleb Powell.
1: And I'm your co host, Ashley Cabrera.
0: So, today or this month, we're going to be talking about tires. And now I'm not talking about which tires are the best for your car, um, but how to dispose of old tires properly and the different opportunities. Um, that you can um, have to give tires a second life. Yeah, so I think people will be surprised
1: to find out how troublesome tires are once they are actually off your car. I know several cleanup efforts have found them in the middle of the woods, and ditches, and streams, and rivers, and lakes. Um, I know our group have done has done a couple of cleanups, um, and we just found. I don't know how many tires, but it's amazing to me how many tires are are thrown into the water or end up in the water because of where people uh, dispose of them.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to mention that, um, Ashley. We did a cleanup right outside of Nashville. Um, Our office did. Shoot, I guess that was like a little over a year ago. Well, probably more than a year ago. um, It was way before COVID. But um, yeah, and it was just the side of, of of the road um in a in a stream and we found i think three or four tires just in that small little bit that small little um section that we were cleaning up and it you know um that the material the rubber that 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 the tires are made of can can leach out chemicals and stuff like that and and it's just not um you know he's got metal in it so the the metal can also be a safety hazard so um just definitely not not the right way to to get rid of tires um throwing them throwing them out into the environment
1: yeah and you know i don't or i would like to think that people aren't doing it just because they think it's fun to litter, (laughs) tires everywhere. I think it has to do with people just don't know where to dispose of them, but there are some resources and information out there, um, to let you know what you can do with your tires. Um, of course, if someone else changed out your tires, um, you know, if you take it somewhere, they dispose of them properly. Um, but we'll definitely provide some links in, you know, on anchor when we post our podcast and on Instagram so that people Know where they can take their tires, um, if someone else does dispose of them for them.
0: Yeah, and I think I think a lot of times, um, whenever, you know, for the for the the general public, whenever you're getting new tires, you're getting them at a at a at a you know discount tire, or, you know, some place that does it for you, and they they do charge you a fee um, to dispose of those. That's because they're having to. Um, pay that fee as well. So, most of the time you don't even really it just add it on to the cost of the new tires. Um so a lot of times, you know, you might be thinking, well, I've never just I don't have just spare tires hanging around, but that's for the people that are changing their tires themselves, um you know, mechanics that have like an abundance of, of tires and stuff like that. So, um or you know, if you blow a tire, um you you usually will have that tire. Um I know we my brother, he uh, was driving one of our trailers um, with our Piece of equipment on it, and he was on 840 and one of those bumps made him blow a tire and it shredded it um, But we luckily we know a mechanic that he takes like big um, He had all of his tires that he changes out uh, He has to pay like a lump sum to have those recycled um, So we were able to pay him, you know the small fee that he usually charges people and to take those but but, yeah, it, it, it's an issue that a lot of people don't really realize that we have.
1: Yeah, and, you know, you mentioned recycle. You know, there's so many things that tires can be used for, you know, to give them a, a second life. Um, and, you know, since working for TDEC, I've learned a lot of things that I was like, wow, I had no clue that you could use tires and, and even create tire-derived fuel, um, but it's amazing. There's a lot of smart people out there that care about the environment, and so they have for years been looking at different ways to use them. Um, speaking of that, we wanted to let one know about an opportunity of a grant that our office puts out. Um, so just a little background. Um, it's called the uh, tire environmental act program so in 2015 the tennessee automotive association partnered with TDEC and the general assembly in tennessee to enact public chapter five five and that established the tire environmental fund so whenever you buy uh, a, a new vehicle uh the retail sale of that um it, it, you know, is to be titled and registered in Tennessee. There's a flat fee based on the number of the vehicle's wheels. So any regular car that's four wheels, you know, maybe a bigger trucks, has have, have more wheels. Um, the fee goes into the Tire Environmental Fund, which is used to fund projects, um, creating or supporting beneficial in uses for these waste tires that that – Keeps them out of the landfill
0: pretty much. Yeah, and so, like I was saying before, um, you know, basically, actually what you were just talking about is when you buy a new car, that fee is automatically just sort of added to it. So a lot of times you don't even know that it's there, but a, a portion of, and it's a very small portion of whenever you buy a car goes into that fund to try to help um, um, help fund, you know, uh, different beneficial end uses for tires and and, and and new technology and stuff like that so um, like Ashley was saying this started in 2015 um, and since then uh, the grantees have been awarded almost 3.6 million dollars and approximately you know actually almost two, 2.5 million tires uh, or 31,000 tons of scrap tires have been diverted from the landfills so these tires and scrap tires uh, have been repurposed for beneficial use in things such as rubberized asphalt um, tire derived aggregate tda um, tire derived fuel like ashley was saying and granulated rubber porous flexible pavement so um, we're going to talk a a little bit about that with some of our guests but um, there's just so many different beneficial reuses for for that waste tires and that rubber that I didn't even realize. I, I always thought, you know, a tire is a tire and it goes to the landfill. Um, but there's actually quite a bit of, of beneficial reuses for tires that that a lot of people didn't realize.
1: Yeah. Um, and actually, if, you know, I have a an almost three-year-old and she was actually playing on the playground the other day and instead of mulch or gravel, which can't stand mulch sometimes and I'm allergic to it, but this one playground um, has a use recycled tires um that's been made into almost looks like mulch and that's what's on the playground um and it's loose and a lot of playgrounds will use um and i'm probably gonna use improper name but kind of like a a porous uh pavement almost like a Uh, help me out Caleb uh so instead of it being loose it's it almost looks like a rubber like concrete
0: yeah it's yeah it's sort of like I mean just think about it think about um little pieces of rubber like Ashley was talking about like rubberized mulch if you will uh and then that sort of melted or or Mm -hmm. um attached together so it's you know sort of like a rubber a big rubber sponge you know it's got the holes in it that that the water can go through um to, you know, reduce runoff, but also is, um, you know, sort of like, uh, what I always tell people is it's sort of like, um, track material, you know, if you uh, track exactly. it, mm-hmm. it, it, it's what it reminds me of.
1: Yeah. So, so that's really cool. You know, lots of different ways. Um, but as far as this funding, uh, funding's available anywhere from $10,000 to $750,000, with a 50% match. So any businesses listening or anyone that knows of someone that would like this opportunity, we're going to um, make sure to leave the link to the website with the information um, when we post this to um, our website to Anchor and on Instagram.
0: Yeah, and and for these um, projects or the, like the eligible projects, the categories are um, Tire Recycling, Tire derived material use and then research and development for new technologies. So, um, the TEEP program, the Tire Environmental Act program, is what our, our main focus for this this episode is. And it's just to show that, you know, we, there are grants out there that if you want to do research um, or start a business that has to do with finding beneficial reuse of, of waste tires, and they have to be Tennessee tires. So, uh, tennis, uh, tires waste tires coming from Tennessee, then there is a 50% grant that our office um, does or gives out um, or administers, I guess is the, the correct term. Um, and yeah, so the, the, there's possibilities out there and and uh, it's something to look into if that's something that, that might interest you. Our first guest for the pod is Lincoln Young. Lincoln Young is the president of the Tennessee Recycling Coalition and also the owner of Rockwood Sustainable Solutions. Uh, Lincoln started recycling in 2014 when he founded Ground Up Recycling. And over the years, Lincoln has successfully grown his company with a specialization in construction and demolition recycling. The main products recycled at Rockwood Sustainable Solutions are wood, shingles, and tires. Um, he moves recycled products to in-markets that he has helped develop across the state. All right, Lincoln, thanks for joining us today. How uh, how are you doing? Oh,
2: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, so I, I, we, when we were talking about recycling, uh, the, the first person that comes to my mind is you, uh, being the president of the Tennessee Recycling Coalition, and, of course, um, all of your past experience and your current role um, with your with your job now. So, um, I thought, what better person to sort of talk to us about the technical aspect of um, tire recycling or, or recycling, you know, material in general than, than you? So, super excited that I could catch you uh, right back home from your from your out west journey. Glad you didn't get snowed in out there. Um, yep. So um, at first, I just wanted to, to talk about the actual process of um, you know a, a t- taking a tire to a material that you can use in a, in a in a beneficial reuse. So can you sort of talk me through what needs to be done to a tire so that it can be reused?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a couple of definitions that I wanted to just kind of put out there, and it, and it's. You know, there's, so there's a couple of of different applications depending on what you're going to try to get on the back end. So kind of the high, the lowest level of processing is going to be a tire derived aggregate. Most people call that a TDA. And what tire derived aggregate is, it is when we're taking tires and we're making something that's going to replace rock or, um, you know be a, a lightweight material that could be used in, in various applications those are going to be um things like um well this is what we do at our business which is where we're grinding tires is, is we use it um, as a tire drive aggregate for uh, septic tank fill lines this is something that the state of tennessee has allowed as a spec and so you can use it as septic tank fill uh, also can be used as a road base or um, backfill on retaining walls or all kinds of, of applications there um, some of those may or may not be uh, spec applications yet but it's things that that uh, the state has been very agreeable with with trying so you kind of got that first level of tire drive Then you move into tire drive fuel uh, TDF um, which is typically used in paper mills or power plants or things of that nature to um to offset the coal usage uh from there then you move into mulch um which is self-explanatory um landscaping type products and then from mulch you move into um you move into things like granulated rubber or uh or like a um Um, you know, like a a, a very low mesh size that can be used back in, in uh, extrusion um, can be supplemented into plastics can be used in all kinds of applications. So, so those are really the four categories. Now let's go back into, into how to process this. Typically what you see on tire recycling is, is most people have a primary um, shredder. What that is, is a large, um, normal normally electric shredder it's just going to take that that tire and it's going to get it into about a six to, to uh, four to six inch piece and then at that point you will take it and go into a secondary shredder uh, which is going to bring it down into probably more like a two inch piece for us that's where tire drive aggregate stops it goes from a primary to a secondary we run it through a process of screening and magnets to try to pull out some of the steel um, because all of our tires have steel that's interlaced in the rubber uh, which is what makes tires so extremely difficult to uh to process um and so so really you start with kind of that primary secondary level um when you get into those tire drive fuels um in you know, the tire you know the mulch and things of that nature really what you're doing is you're you're sizing it down for um you know removing those metals so in tire drive fuel uh, you don't want any metal sticking out of the tire chip um, with tire drive aggregate you don't want it sticking out more than about a half of an inch um With mulch you can't have any for liability reasons, you can't have any wire in that tire chip at all. So you have to you know, you have to run it through several different types of machines to to liberate that wire, uh, typically running it through um three or four different magnet processes to pull the wire out of the tire. Um from mulch then what you do is you run it through what's called a granulator or Um, you know, one brand is called a crumb buster. You're getting down into that crumb size. And what what you see that crumb rubber go for a lot of times is our athletic fields, football fields, um, things of that nature, uh, go back into porous pavement. Um, or again, they can be taken into an even smaller size where they're used in, um, things like roof vents and, um, Roofing materials, a lot of roofing materials uh, are utilizing some tire recycled material. Um, again, I, I know we mentioned porous pavement, um, you know, those different applications. So that's that's basically it. Um, it's just kind of a process of determining what size tire chip you want. And then from that point, you, you really size the equipment that you need in order to make those chips.
0: Awesome. I didn't, you know, I think... A lot of people, you know. For me, I I've, I've always known that there's you know steel in tires, um, which has always been um, in my mind. You know, and I and I've actually been able to tour some of um, the tire manufacturers here in the state, and you know after seeing how the 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 rubbers completely encapsulates um, the steel, you know, in my mind, I thought there's no possible way you can pull those apart, you know? Uh, but it's, yeah. good, it's good to know that, that, that there are processes out there that, that do that. And um, it just, I guess, it just, it all depends on, like you said, what what it's going to be used for depends on how much processing goes into it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you basically already answered um, my next question. It was going to be what beneficial reuses have you seen for waste tires? You talked about mulch uh, for like play place, you know, like pl- uh, playgrounds and stuff like that, or just, um, for, you know, around, um, um, plants and stuff like that. Uh, you talked about athletic fields. Um, we, we are going to talk a little bit later in the podcast about, um, the tire to trails, um, yep. initiative that brings that and, and uses that aggregate, the tire aggregate for, um, uh, you know, a porous Pavement, if you will. Um, so, am I missing anything that you can think of for beneficial reuses?
2: You know, I think you, you got most of it. The um, the thing with tires is the hard part is is that it's not necessarily collecting or getting them. There's a, there's a availability of tires in the market. The hard part is the is the processing. Um, it, it's it's actually extremely difficult. I've recycled just about every material um out there and um tires are by far our hardest uh, material that we handle and and that's okay i mean they make equipment that does it um and there's a lot of great equipment out there um for us it's it's, it's just an ex- well really for everybody it's an extremely difficult um material to recycle because they're made not to break down um that said you know as far as end products, you really haven't missed anything. You know, the thing that i found, though, is once you have the ability to grind those tires and recycle the tires, moving the end product is actually not that hard to do. Um, the, the, the difficult end, again, is, is the processing, but once you have the product that's, that is ground, finding homes for that whether it's septic tank fill lines whether it's fuel or or um or other options that we have mentioned with ball fields and mulch and and all these things um there are readily available applications for the end use so that is the good side of it um is being able you know it's once you once you're able to jump the hurdle of of purchasing the equipment or you know, figuring out how to collect the tires, um, moving those into end in markets is, is kind of the, the last step, but it's really, it's not as difficult as you would imagine.
0: Yeah, and while you were talking, I actually thought of, um, there is a company that's making, uh, it's called, I forget what it is, you know, whenever you're at a construction site and you're having to uh, make sure that there's no runoff? Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I I noticed there's a there's a company that uses um, ground up tires for that um, the little eels or something like that so yeah. yeah you
2: nailed it right there so it's called it's a company called erosion eel and um, I'm excited about what they've got those guys have got going on um, soon they they are a, a, a recipient of our of the state's teap grant and um, they're actually going to be working together on some stuff um but they're actually going to be collecting an additional amount of tires in our state and going to be using those here um for their erosion control so that's an exciting thing because um uh, right now they've been making these erosion control socks with uh tires and it's a it's a far superior product than you know, sometimes the just a wood, wood filled sock or or things of that nature. They're they're used in specific applications. Um, but um, the the great thing about that is they've been using uh, tires um, that they've been purchasing from other tire recyclers in other parts of our country, and now they're going to be uh, handling Tennessee tires, which I'm I'm excited to see that.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, and so you know, you talked about we talked about this company, we talked about you and, 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 and what Rockwood's doing uh, with your recycling, your recycling, um, of all materials. Uh, so in your, from your perspective, um, how well do you think, and I don't know if you know about any of the other States, but how well do you think that Tennessee is recycling their tires?
2: Um, I may give you a little bit different than what you would expect here. Um, i actually think they're doing pretty well and i wish i could you know there i know that there's been a lot of uh, conversations around you know grant programming and things of that nature but all in all tennessee is is you know uh, the the large tire recycler uh in, in really the the country probably the world is a company called liberty tire i mean they have tire recycling facilities all over the country um that said there's a couple of folks in tennessee got patriot myself um now you got a company called you know uh friendly environment which is the erosion that we talked about uh there's a couple of others that are looking at in our community but but in all reality um you know as far as the program as far as um you know getting the tires removed. And, um, trying to do the right thing with them. I think the state is doing a great job with that. I also think though that this, this grant that that has been out for a few years is really pushing that conversation um it started uh, i think this grant is is part of maybe the tennessee manufacturers um uh, automotive manufacturers have a have a portion of of to do with the the grant i'm not a hundred percent sure with how all that works but um anyways this has been a it's been a very good um way to bring about additional folks into the market And that's where Tennessee's really struggled. Right now, there's still only about one option. So, the other guys are a little bit fairly small. So, that's where, you know, in our capital market here, it is nice to start seeing a couple of other companies coming up that are going to provide other options. So, um, do I think we've done okay? Yes, I think we've done okay. Is, Is service um and availability and price are those things where they need to be i think it would be great to see some other folks in the market that are going to maybe uh strengthen some of the service and such that 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 is lacking in the area so it's it's um you know, I don't want to say I give it an A plus, but I definitely can't give it an F because there's been a whole lot of great things that are that are going on here lately. So let's let's maybe say B minus, C plus type range. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: like that. I like that. Yep. That's always what I like to do. That was around the uh, grade that I always sh- shot for um, in college. You know, so that's that's where that's where we we need to land right there. You know? <laughs> Gets the job done. Well. Uh, Lincoln, thank you so much for taking time. Um, I always love getting down, getting to uh, sit down and and pick your brain on everything recycling. Um, I've got a lot to learn, but um, I got a good teacher. So uh, thanks, thanks for all you do for the state. Um, I I think that that B minus is a lot to do. Um, we we got you to thank for that. Um, for you know just sort of leading the way in in material recycling all around the state. So I just want to say thanks for that. Thanks for being on the podcast. And uh, and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you so much. The Ranger Report, brought to you by the Tennessee State Parks. Fun and adventure, naturally. All right. For this month, uh, the Ranger Report's a little bit different. Uh, We're still going to be talking about the state park system uh, and some of the the projects that we've got going on um, in the state parks but we're not actually highlighting a specific state park. So this month we are going to be talking with Michael Meister uh, and he is um, with us today. How are you Michael? I'm doing well thank you for having me on. Hey, we're, we're glad that we could uh, find some time. I know you're, you're busy going to all the different state parks, and um, he's got a really important job in the state park system. So, um, Ashley, if you want to read his bio, we'll get, to, we'll get to asking him some questions.
1: Yeah. So, Michael is a naturalist and professional trail builder that currently lives in Nashville, uh, where he was born and has lived most of his life. He has a bachelor's degree in ecology and evolutionary biology from the University of Tennessee and he has a lifelong passion for conservation and loves wildlife. For the last five years, Michael has been the trails and visa administrator for Tennessee State Parks. In this role, he oversees the maintenance and management of a 1,300-mile trail system, as well as the design and construction of new trails. During his time in charge of the statewide trails program, Michael has made it a priority to use recycled crumb rubber for the paving of hard surface trails.
0: Yeah, so we're very excited to have Michael on. Um, before COVID, uh, and we were able to be in the in, in the office together, um, it was always a, a pleasure getting to, to eat lunch with Michael and, and hear about all the cool stuff that he's got going on uh, with all the different trails. And, and, and it, I thought, you know, what better person to have uh, for this month's Ranger Report than uh, him because he oversees so much of the, the trail systems uh, in the state parks, and then also um, with his, um, he's been pushing really hard to get uh, recycled crumb rubber in some of those uh, trail surfaces. So really excited to have you on, Michael, and um, also really thankful for using new technology for um, sort of an old thing, which is the trails, the trail system. so. Um, I guess we'll we'll sort of start off with what, what do you think really sparked interest to do a, a Tires to Trails or, or the Tires to Trails project?
3: So in state parks, one of the biggest things that we want to promote is that state parks are for everybody. And we want to give everyone the opportunity to enjoy recreation in our parks, regardless of their ability level. Um, so because of that, sometimes our trails don't quite meet the standards needed for everybody, regardless of their abilities. So instead of a natural surface trail, we need hard surface trails to accommodate everyone's needs. In the past, those trails have always been, usually, concrete or asphalt or occasionally uh, really fine-packed gravel. And while those things work really well, they've been around for a really long time, they're common in construction, they don't fit the state parks' um, i guess feeling very well because you don't want to be walking through the woods on a sidewalk you don't want to be walking through the woods on a big patch of blacktop asphalt it's just not very aesthetically pleasing it kind of breaks down the feeling you get when you're in the woods and overall it's not even all that great for the environment so we started um Kind of investigating and trying to find an alternative for hard surface trails, and then we stumbled upon what's kind of known in the construction industry as flexible porous pavement. Uh, flexible porous pavement is usually made up of rubber uh, ground up vulcanized rubber um, from tires. Then some type of aggregate stone, usually a limestone or a granite, and then a binder. Where in concrete you normally add water to a mixture to make it stick together and harden up. Here we add a binder, which is a polyurethane moisture-cured binder, um, kind of similar to what you see in Gorilla Glue, like you buy at the store, but much stronger. um, And that binds all of it together and allows us to create this kind of almost a monolithic rubber carpet that we can lay down that still completely allows the porosity of water to get through the trail, um, but also still supplies a hard uniform surface for people that may need a
0: little bit of assistance to, to walk on the surface to be able to get through on our trails. Wow. That's, that's awesome. you know, I, I, Whenever I first heard of the um, tires to trails program, I thought of it. You know, really is just a, a reuse for tires. I never really thought of it as being able to um, sort of be more inclusive for everyone. For you know that ha- might have mobility um, issues. So that's that's really neat. Um, I didn't realize that. So thanks for sharing that.
3: No problem at all. And part of that that I guess issue is that asphalt and concrete, like I said, they do those things well. Also, they, they give people the ability to get out when they may not have been able to on a regular surface, but they're really hard on the hydrology of an area. It creates, you know, a, a specific amount of square footage within a natural area that's now no longer porous to water. So it can really affect the hydrology of an area. In addition to that, tree roots, I'm sure we've all walked on a sidewalk or even seen a driveway or a road that's been bubbled up by tree roots. It'll crack the asphalt. It'll crack the concrete. There's not much you can do about that this building material allows us to worry less about tree roots and their damage and also the hydrology effects we're having on an area because it's so porous and because it's made out of rubber it's flexible it's flexible porous pavement so that allows this stuff to kind of bend and shape with the movement and growth of tree roots so though we may get a little bit of a mound in the path it no longer breaks and it, it's a m- drastically
1: reduces tripping hazards that are caused tree roots and other natural aspects
0: well wow. um and so my next question was going to be how does it work how did it, how does the whole trail process work i know earlier um in the podcast we got to t- talk with lincoln young who sort of broke down um the technical aspects of you know um getting that tire to the the crumb rubber where you can use it for that so we don't really have to go into that um and then you sort of explained the, the, the three main components of the trail. So you sort of already answered that question for me. Um, so um, and then uh, but maybe maybe you can go into um, the process of, of laying it down. What is it? What does it look like? Like the day that you guys put down the trail, is is it really um, you need a lot of people or is it pretty easy? Is, is it like pouring concrete? How does that work?
3: So it's very, very similar to pouring concrete. It's kind of a weird mix between asphalt and concrete, I'd actually say. Um, So whenever you lay it down, one of the most important things to do is your base preparation. While some of these vendors allow their product to be poured directly onto dirt, it doesn't tend to be as long-term stable when it's poured directly onto dirt. So generally what we'll do is we'll create a base or a sub-base of crushed rock Usually that's just limestone gravel, like you'd see in people's driveways. We'll lay down a base anywhere between four to six inches thick, and that creates a really good platform for us. At that point, we then would put our forms on the side of where we want to pour it, uh, just like concrete. It's usually lumber, maybe it's metal, and then that is uh, usually about two to two and a half inches tall. Uh, that's the final thickness of the material that we want whenever we lay it down. Uh, so once you have all your base and your form, all that preparation is done, everything's nice and dry. You don't want this stuff to be laid in the rain, which I can go into a little more details in a, in a second. Um, you mix together your three components. Like I mentioned, that's the the tire granules, uh, vulcanized rubber pieces that have been ground up from tire recyclers. Um, wire free and fairly cloth free you then mix that with an aggregate or a dirt i'm sorry an aggregate or a stone which is dirt and dust free that's another important aspect is the dirt the stones actually have to be washed because if there's a lot of dust all over the stone then that doesn't allow the binder to stick to it and you won't get good adherence between all the pieces so you have your vulcanized rubber you have your washed aggregate rock both of those pieces are usually between uh, about a quarter inch to three-eighths of an inch in size for each individual piece then that's all mixed together with a binder like i said it's a polyurethane binder it's moisture cured so what that means is once we mix it all together the binder actually pulls moisture out of the air in order to catalyze its chemical reaction and harden Um, depending on the time of the year and the weather and the humidity usually once you mix all the stuff together you've got about 15 to 20 minutes to kind of mess with it and play it um, uh, lay it down and get it exactly the way you want it and then within eight hours usually it's hard enough to walk on we usually tell people to keep uh, folks off it for 24 hours um so you mix all that stuff up in a wheelbarrow or a mortar mixer at that point we uh, pour it down in the form we trowel it out with some magnesium trowels will float it with a full uh, a float, so all the same tools you're using when you do concrete. Um, we smooth it out, we bevel the edges, and then we keep moving along, down the line, um, along the length of the path of the trail that we're pouring. Um, after it's dried, we come back, we pull the forms off, and you're good to go. It's installed, um, and like I mentioned earlier, the only limiting factors are... Um, it can't be raining or raining directly after you lay it because it is moisture cured. So if you get too much water on the um, material, it will over-catalyze and it will um, overset itself, and it doesn't look very appealing, and it just doesn't have as much strength as it normally would. Um, and then, as far as laying it below freezing temperatures, it can be done, but it takes much longer for it to cure. Um, so really, almost any time of the year, at least here in Tennessee. We can probably find a few days a week to be able to lay it down. Uh, the rain is the biggest limiting factor for us. Awesome.
0: Um, and so, do you have sort of like a ballpark number um, since you guys started this project in some of the different state parks of how many tires have been diverted into these trails?
3: So, I can tell you specifically for our Tires to Trails project, um, it's a little bit different from what we've done in the past. Other places, we've just laid the material down and had it be made of recycled tires for tires or trails at To fuller we actually uh, poured the trail with tires that we've personally collected and recycled um there we collected and are in the process of recycling about probably 18 to 20,000 passenger and truck tires um for the other projects uh independently where we've laid down paths we have probably recycled anywhere between four uh 8,000 individual tires, and then we have more projects planned, much more large scale projects where we hope to continue to add that tally, probably getting
0: closer to an, an additional 10 000 to 15,000 tires. Wow, I didn't, I don't yeah, that's, oh, go ahead. Sorry, it's really
1: great. Sorry, <laughs> I had a question for him. Um, unless I missed this, um, I know you'll, you'll do uh, different, you know cleanup efforts or, you know, as TDEC or Tennessee State Parks, is that where you get the tires to use them or, um, and sorry if I missed that, Oh, where exactly you get the tires that you use?
3: Yeah, so for many of our projects, we've utilized TEEP funding, the Tire Environmental Act Program, and um, that program, if I remember correctly, has always required whatever we're uh rubber crumb that we're using utilizing in our project if it's going to fund it that rubber crumb has to come from tires that originated in tennessee um so there is a recycler in tennessee that not only gets the rubber crumb but then also recycles it for us there's other recyclers near the state who will um, recycle tires that came from tennessee and certify from us that even though they're located outside of the state that their tires Were sourced from Tennessee before they were recycled. So in our all of our other projects, we've just sourced the rubber crumb that's already been recycled, and the tires were collected by somebody else that um, we knew came from Tennessee. For Tia Fuller specifically, though, we wanted the tires to Trails project to demonstrate a full circle program. And what I meant by that is we want to be able to say we went into a community we cleaned up all the illegally dumped scrap tires that they had there, which they had a lot. It's a huge problem in the area. We collected as many of those as we could. We then took and recycled those tires and then brought those exact same tires back to the park to lay down our surface. So that's the only specific park where we've done that or specific project. We hope to expand and use the same model for more projects in the future. Um, but a Fuller specifically is where we had individual cleanup days at that park and kept specific track of the tires
0: that we collected so that they could be recycled and reused in that same place. That's amazing. It's such a, yeah. a full circle, um, you know, cleaning up the area and using, you know, the waste that you cleaned up to, to create, you know, a, a new trail. I mean, that's just amazing. Um, and
3: it's something that we've, try to educate people on so when you bring someone to a trail and say hey look we built the trail out of recycled tires they're like cool bye and then they go on their day Uh, but being able to say hey these tires that are in this trail not only were recycled but they were recycled from this community so that it helps people to see that there is a problem and to see that there is a solution and that those can be directly tied to each other um, so that not only do they get rid of a major problem in their area, with in the case of Memphis was illegally dumped scrap tires, they also get a benefit, which hopefully will be a 2.9 mile multi-use trail at a park that's hard surface that was a direct um,
0: benefit or a direct response to a problem in that area. Wow. And I guess to um, to finish up, I wanted to sort of highlight the different parks that have got already done this. You know, you mentioned T.O. Fuller. Is What other parks have um, uh, benefited from the tires to trail program?
3: So currently right now, we have um, at North Dam, several of our paths going to our cabins from the road were made out of uh, flexible course pavement from recycled tires because we were having erosion and hydrology issues there. So it kind of solved that. So it's not a traditional trail. This, In this case, it took the place of what would probably have been a normal sidewalk um, at um, Pickwick Landing State Park where they have their aviary cages near their visitor center. Beforehand, it was just loose pea gravel, and it was not very ADA-friendly for people that maybe had some mobility issues. Um, We were able to pave most of the paths in front of their um, aviary so that now folks can park at the handicapped parking area and be able to have a smooth, uniform path to be able to enjoy the wildlife up close and personal like everybody else has been able to do the whole time. Um, Seven Islands. There's an interesting situation there where we were not supposed to be putting down uh, any more impervious pavement at the park than what currently exists as part of a conservation easement that was on the deed whenever the state acquired that land. But we also needed to create ADA paths through our showcase native gardens for folks to be able to get up there and enjoy them that may have uh, living mobility issues. We were kind of at a, a rock and hard spot. We can't put down more impervious stuff, but we need ADA paths. And this fell right into that sweet spot of being able to provide both of those things for us. And that was a huge help at Seven Islands. And now if you go there, right when you get to the park, they have a giant showcase native garden right in front of their barn as soon as you pull up to the park. And all the paths there are made out of flexible forest pavement. In addition, not only is it even... I guess more accessible than it used to be, but it's more appealing because instead of having a bright white concrete or black asphalt winding through, this tire rubber has been able to be dyed, so it's actually brown. So it looks like a dirt path winding through the garden, which is very aesthetically pleasing, but it's still a firm hard surface that helps people be able to move around. Um, And then other than that, we have two very large projects planned for Cedars of Lebanon and Henry Horton State Park. Those are still in development. Um, there, we've done some construction, some groundbreaking, but no surfacing has been laid. But in the future, we expect to add between those two together, probably another two to three solid
0: miles of um, flexible forest pavement trail. Wow, that's that's so interesting. I I had no clue that 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 was being done um, all around the state, and that there was so much um, more headed our way. So if you, um, if anybody listening lives near any of those state parks, and I'm or have been to those state parks uh, and didn't realize it, be on the lookout next time that you go and and check that out and see. see, You know, you can hear what we're talking about, but being able to see it, I think, is um, equally as as important. You know, um, really. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Sell this
3: idea to um leadership within state parks. This stuff costs more than concrete and asphalt. Whenever you're trying to convince someone to let you spend money out of your budget and it's twice as expensive as it normally would be, that can be a hard sell. And just like you said, explaining it to them didn't really do much. But the minute I was able to get them to walk on it and feel it and get down and really experience it, it's kind of like a, a, a light switch flipped on. And they went, oh, this is what you were talking about. Um, and it really got them on board with understanding why it was such an, uh, an important product and idea.
0: Well, Michael, thank you so much for, for being on the podcast and, and sort of enlighten us on the great work that you do um, in the state parks. Uh, you know, it's, it's the trails are something that I think a lot of people take for granted. Um, you know, they just think that um, they can just go and, and hike and, and do that stuff and you know, it, it's just a trail, you know, but, uh, there's people like you that are behind it that are making sure, um, you know, that people that have limited mobility can still enjoy parts of the park. Um, and then also that, that our trails stay open and, and, um, safe for people to, to, to hike and, and walk on. So thanks for all you do. And thanks for being on the podcast.
3: Absolutely, I really appreciate y'all having me on. Thank you so much, and uh, who knows, maybe we'll we'll talk more in the future about even more trail Land stuff.